Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about Alaska. How's it going? Anything exciting happening this week? Well, I'm not running for Congress, so that's there's that. Uh, but 51 people are. Uh, so this Friday we had... At 5 p.m., we had the filing deadline to for the special election to fill the remainder of the U.S. House term for Alaska, and it attracted a load of different people. Yeah, it was just like an, getting caught in an avalanche, huh? You've got everyone from every walk of life, and they all just piled on at that. I saw it go from 20 to like 30, 40, and then all of a sudden it's like over 50 people, and it's just, that's going to be a very large ballot. There's a lot of like expected names on here, um, you know, the people who are running for the U.S. House seat in the first place, and then some kind of... Uh, some tourists surprises there's, there's there's definitely like this kind of tourist class of like well i don't really want the job but i'd do it for three months yes actually that's a good way of looking at it i mean there's i was also literally some tourists some you know and that's an interesting sort of wrinkle in these races is that you only have to be a resident of the state at the time of the election right is that uh, how it works yeah so you can file from another state and run and and you could be on the ballot um you can withdraw by noon on Monday, so probably by the time this podcast comes out, we'll have a finalized list, but at most 51. Yeah. Right, yeah. So there's 51 people who signed as certified. There's already one that we're aware of that dropped out, um, and it sounds like we're probably going to end up, you know, they probably have a few more people that will drop out. And you were saying before we got on the podcast that you'd talk to someone who was, who was being pressured to drop out. And so, yes. so I think there's going to be a lot of that sort of like effort to consolidate like if there's someone that's running that's kind of in your lane you're better off if they're not running (laughs) right i mean that's that's the whole thing i mean i think so we could spend the next like however long talking about who is going to win this race and we'll have we'll we'll get into that in a little bit but i think what are the kind of interesting conversation i want to have is like how do you win this race this is so it's 50 people 51 50 people right and what kind of percentage is it going to take to win? You know, it's not going to, you're clearly not going to need 50% of the vote. You know, it could be as low as like 10, 15, 20%, right? I think before we jump into into that, we need to talk about how the election works. So this is, oh, a, yes, yes. this is a really important thing. I mean, so I it's ke- all rank choice, rank choice, right? No, right. And I keep talking to people and they're like, how am I going to rank that many people? And it's not, this is the first part. So it's, we, our new election system is a top four rank choice election system. The top four is the primary. So what happens is you, you're, you're going to vote, you get, you'll get a ballot with like 50 people on it. You pick out your very favorite, just one, you vote once. And then the people that have the top four scores overall will advance to the the rank choice portion of the election so when you get this ballot you're gonna have a ballot with you know 50 people on it and it's and you pick just one which is gonna be very difficult but also i think that with 50 people there's a really good chance that you're gonna have at least one candidate that you that you really want to see advance now i think the the voting strategy here would be different if there were fewer candidates i think if there were I think if there were six candidates and you kind of knew that the one you wanted was going to make it through uh, to the top four, then maybe you might vote for your second favorite to like help them along to like get them to the top four. But in this case, I think that the margins are going to be so slim and the guesses are going to be so, uh, you know, there's just so much that could happen that I think your best strategic bet as a voter is to just vote for the person that you want 
to see advance out of this field of 50 because every vote's going to count and i think we're going to see some really slim margins might even see some ties i mean that's what's interesting because there's you know there's sort of the two kind of i think established candidates who have been running for this race for a while that's um, i've forgotten who they are because there's so many people now (laughs) yeah and it's democrat christopher constant and republican nick baggage and um, you know, I, I think there's a, a very real realm of possibility where one of them doesn't make it or both of them don't make it. Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting, too, to be looking at, you know, just kind of what other candidates there are. You know, you're going to be splitting a split of a split of a split vote, you know. And so I think, it, you know, honestly, you know, as somebody who is very concerned about, you know, the public messaging around ballot measure two, around the new ranked vote ranked choice voting system you know seeing a lot of the republican kind of disinformation that's trying to sow the seeds to you know radically upend the system that they think doesn't uh politically favor them i think we can ask for a better like test run with it right you know it, it is a inherently weird and chaotic election that will kind of test the bounds of how the system can work right and i think it will help hopefully set some very good expectations for how things move forward and how we, you know, handle and respond and treat the credibility, I guess, of, that's the thing we need to worry about, of future elections, right? And I think, you know, it's not to say that we are going to solve everything here, but I think we'll at least know what maybe the big significant problems and significant pieces of confusion are. And I think that that initial moment of ranked choice voting these people is exactly the kind of um uh you know question that comes up here so so i'm we'll see so i'm going to push my glasses up my nose and say that i have already done some analysis of this race um <laughs> um i i put all the <laughs> candidates into the um i put all the candidates into the old google spreadsheets here and broke them down by party and the thing i, I wanted to know is how does this primary vote for the special election how does it break down when you have this, when you have a constellation of candidates like this, when you have this many candidates, you can probably find someone in your party or closely classed to your party affiliation to vote for. So, this is a little, this is a rough analysis. This is a bad analysis. This is not going to help us a lot, but it's an interesting way to think about things. So, in Alaska, we have five hundred ninety-four thousand some odd registered voters, and you know. Some percentage of those are, are Republican. Uh, right now, it's like 24-ish percent. Um, and we look at the representation in this primary election, and registered Republicans, uh, even in, excluding the one who dropped out, uh, there are 32 percent of the people running in this race are registered Republicans. That means their share of the of registered voters is going to get thinned out. And so, you know, I'm not taking into account things like. Uh, people who are more likely to vote in a primary election. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not taking a lot of things into account, like that nonpartisan and undeclared candidates might vote for a Republican candidate. But if we assume that everyone stays in their lane, you can see sort of where the strengths and weaknesses are here. And it really favors people who are like, you know, we've got one Alaska Independence Party candidate. That party has, um, you know, 3% of the vote. And, he, and if, if he gets every vote from every independence party candidate who runs, he's actually 
got a much better chance of getting through than the Republicans who are going to split up their votes amongst a bunch of different candidates. It's, this is a little more visual. It's a little more spreadsheety. I'm not sure the best way to like communicate this over a podcast. But basically, what I see here is that the parties, you know, just kind of purely based on their share of the of the vote, the parties that kind of come out ahead here are the Alaska Independence Party. The uh, Democrats come out slightly ahead. They're kind of on the nose. Um, libertarians are gonna are kind of sinking because they have three people and not very much electorate to draw from. So I would kind of write them off in this scenario. Uh, Republicans have taken a pretty big bite out of themselves by running so many candidates. And the nonpartisan, undeclared other uh, candidates are looking very strong. And so um, the next step of, of considering something like this is to sort of filter for things like, you know, who's running a quote-unquote serious campaign, who has kind of good name recognition, who has money in the bank, who has like an, a functioning website where you can learn something about them. You know, so I think there are all these questions about, you know, like what get what gets you on people's radar. And then you can kind of boil that down and make a little bit more educated guess. And the thing I'm seeing there is that the Democrats, a lot of the Democrats who are running um, do have a lot of history and and um, are kind of bigger names in the state. Some of the Republicans who are running aren't probably going to get a lot of votes. And so when you start boiling it down more, it actually starts to favor Republicans a little bit more. But still, the nonpartisan undeclared look very strong. That's when you were that's when you were sort of redoing the numbers for quote unquote like serious candidates and for right just joe schmo off the street yeah and i think you know there's something to be said about like who is a you know a, a serious candidate and i don't i don't i mean I, I assume all these people are serious about wanting to win this race but i i think there are people should, that should be taken more or less seriously you know and, and please add to this list if you've got anything but i think that it's like name recognition money and sort of like communications presence are kind of the three things that I'm looking for in a candidate right now in yeah, a race like think, this. I think too, I think, uh, you know, and it, it probably varies a lot, but, you know, I think the ability to stand up a com- campaign quickly is going to be important. You know, this is two and a half months to campaign here, really. So, you know, can you hire up good people? Can you get ads and messaging all produced. I think there's like some, there's like a logistical element of it to me that I think is going to be really important here too. I think the other one would be like party breakdown breakdown is like, Mm -hmm. do do you have an inherent advantage from whatever section of voters you're going after? And so you can think about that as party. You can think about like Republicans are all drawing from this Republican pool of voters um, and that they're, they'll get more return if there's fewer Republicans, but you can also think about it in a different way. Um, you could class people into sort of similar voting traits that aren't party aligned. Like I, I would say that Andrew Halkrow, Emil Nadi, Santa Claus, they're sort of like tourist candidates or like statesman candidates. They've done some work. Sa- Santa Claus obviously has like a little bit different thing going on, but he's done some municipal work and people know him in the state in, in, in circles of municipal government. And I think that, you know, like candidates like that who are maybe kind of running as sort of a temporary position or honorific mm-hmm. type candidate you know like that's a that's maybe drawing from a similar pool or pool of voters who support something like that and i think too i think um that you know geographic location could matter a lot too you know mm-hmm. you look at um the kind of the big names from sort of each party and where they're from and they're you know other than you know john coghill out of fairbanks there's not a lot of like conservative juice coming from that area right so right. 
you know, is that an advantage to, you know, the Democrat Adam Wool from that area or to Santa Claus from North Pole? Um, I think there's definitely some geographic alignment and and sort of that can that can play into that and, and help and, and put that back. You know, if you win Fairbanks, right, then that's probably good enough to get you into the primary. And and so yeah, we'll that's... see how that all, you know, how that all ultimately works. I think, too, I think the really big thing, too, is going to be. You know what happens over the next uh, like forty eight hours as they try to consolidate their races here. The other thing to keep in mind that I think is really important too is that this is going to be the first officially by mail election in Alaska. Um, you know, so we had the the absentee thing during the pandemic, but this one I think is, you know, it's it's a little bit different in in the sense that um, you know it's blanket by mail. It uh, everyone's going to get the post uh, the stamp with it too um, which is kind of an unusual element and then the way that the election is run and and all that sort of stuff is going to be really i think really interesting as far as how it all works i think you know it's going to be hard to necessarily take this election as a lesson moving forward because it's going to be a ton of candidates it's going to be by mail it's going to be the first time under the open primary system but yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. I think. Well, so I th- I think question mark. Lo- <laughs> I I think it'll be great. I'm a- I'm excited for it. I think looking looking forward at a field this big, it's hard to sort of you know pick out who's going to navigate it. But I think the looking back on it, we're going to have you have the spectrum of candidates that's so large that you can really drill down on what are people's political preferences in different parts of Alaska by looking at how, how they voted and who they favored. And so I think that this this election might serve as a really accurate poll of where we are politically in this state that we haven't really, you know, it's it's really hard to kind of pull that out of an election when it's just like two candidates running against each other because there's so many factors that go into like, did they vote for this candidate because they didn't like this candidate or, you know, was this you know, that that kind of thing. But when you look at this array of 50 candidates and you're like, OK, Juno favored this person and Fairbanks favored this person and this person did great everywhere along the, across the state. You've got a much better picture of like what our political alignments are looking forward. It's not very useful because we're just trying to pick a needle out of a haystack. But looking back, we've got all this this whole spectrum of data about who's who what yeah. what political preferences in what community and you can just say like oh okay this community likes santa claus and halcro and this community liked revac and palin and you can really learn a lot about what their preferences are yeah and i think i've, I've also seen like a couple people with like hot takes off the bat that have been like oh this is too many candidates this is a mockery of the system and to me i'm like no, dude, this is like awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that the idea that you have such a wide variety of candidates that are, you know, ranging from, you know, the the most establishment of folks to stay-at-home moms and just people who saw it and and saw it as an opportunity to get their name out there and or to be engaged in the process or whatever. Because you know, that's the thing is that, you know, this is this is an opportunity to end up on candidate questionnaires to with your little whatever ideas you have about the system and it gets you know i think part of that is you know it's a it's a way to talk about it. i think the other thing the other thing that i really want to talk about too is that you know this is so different the you know if, if if not for ballot measure two it would have been the parties picking the candidates right so there wouldn't have been this like open great sort of open door policy it would have been 
totally gatekept by a handful of parties and and then you know and then gatekept by the interior politics of those parties right so right. it wouldn't have been you know necessarily a broadly popular candidate it would have been you know a candidate that was you know is in that sort of Tuckerman Babcock kind of camp that sort of hyper partisan camp and 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 here you know that they would have never picked a guy like Halcro or John Coghill or anybody like that to be in here so I think having this sort of really broad um, selection of candidates is is great I think it, it speaks well to the process I think it, it's a good thing uh, even if it's wild yeah. 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 I agree with that. I think, I think it is, I think it's, it removes some gatekeepers and I think we're going to see gatekeepers scrambling to figure out how to gatekeep, right? You know, like people who had a thumb on things are going to be like, ah, oh, how do we, how do we get our arms around this again? So I just sent you my big list. I basically took all the data off the division elections website and pumped it into a spreadsheet here. And I don't know how you want to approach this, but we could go through and just like root out some names and be like, nope, 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 nope. Yes. Or yeah, let's just do it. Let's go all fifty. Because we we're only twenty minutes into the podcast right yeah, now. Do we're all. only got you know some of these people we only got their name to say. So okay, let's do it. And and I think right now we're operating on knowledge that we already have. We're not really going out and doing a lot of research. We'll just run down the list here. Um, and let's let's put let's do a a no yes maybe of they might be a winner. Yeah, like they they have a path. It's good to note that like campaigns emerge and evolve and change, and you know someone will say something or do something that gets them a lot of notoriety. So we're this is just right now. This is just you and me. We're not not trying to like offend any of these candidates by saying we don't know them, but um, but hey, we'd like to get to know you if you if you happen to be listening to this. Let tell us what we got wrong or who you are. Oh, you know what, Matt? Maybe we should just do our own survey. We should do like the Hello Alaska oh, yeah. survey of congressional candidates and just send it out to all these folks and then see who sure. responds. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to come up with some good questions. Um, I personally want to know if there's any flat earthers in the in the crowd. I want to know if there's anyone that believes the uh, election was, was a fraud, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, if you have any questions. Uh, what oh, their favorite pizza what is. What their favorite pizza is. Yes, exactly. So let's, let's get some suggestions and we'll send that out um, sometime a little bit later in the week. I should ask what pets they have too. I feel like that's pets. always a, a thing. I want to know. I feel like when somebody doesn't have a pet, it's a it's sort of a statement on who their character. So Matt, I don't. That's have, my my one point. I don't. Yeah. I don't have a pet. Exactly. Oh right. my god. Okay. All right. Let's go down the list. Okay. <laughs> Denny Denny Aguayo. How do you pronounce that? Aguayo. Aguayo. Uh, he's a, a Nikiski nonpartisan. Nope. Now we're on to Jay Armstrong, a Fairbanks Republican. Yeah. Also, don't know. Nope. Brian Beal, University address um fairbanks fairbanks don't know undeclared him. nope tim beck that's a fairbank former fairbanks north star borough assemblyman from about 10 years ago that i first started covering when i was there so no, no. okay nick baggage never heard of him <laughs> i think so republican nick, anchorage he's been in the race already yeah so he's he's a possibility right he could he could he's a i would put him as a maybe because i feel like he's in real bad territory of not making the final four and that's an interesting thing too is like you've got chris constant and nick nick baggage who got really serious about this can't you know this campaign early and now they're sort of like drowning in this in this wave that's crawling up the beach towards them it's yeah um okay greg brailsford uh anchorage Anch undeclared don't know him he gave me he reads my he reads my newsletter oh he does so i'll give him a maybe you'll give him a maybe <laughs> no i'm putting a no in there robert brown was still a nonpartisan. 
No. Um, nope. Chris By, never heard of him. Libertarian from he Fairbanks. Is the, he is the endorsed libertarian. I got an email about that. Oh, really? Okay. So if he's an so. endorsed libertarian, what about the other two libertarians? Well, they're the non-endorsed libertarians. Okay. Which um, is, I mean, isn't that kind of counterintuitive for the libertarian party to have a endorsement? Anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, that's okay. you know, and and just based so on. So let's the, put him. In, yeah, maybe. No, right? I put, I'm going to put him as a no because based on the number of libertarian voters registered in the state of Alaska, they don't really have a chance. Oh. I mean, the the most that they can. Yeah, true. If we're yeah. if we're going all fifty and we got to get to like ten, yeah. then no, yeah. Uh. Anchorage Republican uh, John Callahan. I don't know this person. No. No. Okay. Arlene Car- Carl or Carly. Um, Anchorage uh, nonpartisan. Nope. Not from Santa Claus. North Pole. Undeclared from North Pole. Undeclared, uh, you know, pro-union guy. I, I actually got to interview him at, at Alaska Municipal League uh, Conference one year. And very, very interesting. Um, Democratic socialist. Um, I, he claims to have worked as a stuntman, um, I, I think, for maybe Burt Reynolds or something. He was, like, dashing back in the day. I think that because he's getting a lot of headlines, I think he's a yes. I think he's likely. I think, yeah. I mean, if, if you're ever putting it into 10 likely, I think he's a yes for the 10 likely. I mean, he's got name recognition, right? Who doesn't know who Santa Claus is? He's also running the, like, Bernie pathway, the you know, you yes. know Bernie Sanders. And I think that Alaska could go that way. Yeah. All right. Um, Fairbanks registered Republican John Coghill. I have heard Former of John Coghill. Senator. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a um, yes, maybe. Strong maybe, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so, too. You made a good point about him being kind of the only strong Fairbanks uh, Republican. Uh, Chris Constant, uh, Anchorage registered Democrat. Um, Anchorage Assemblyman. You know, he's one of the people I, that's been running for a while. He's got some some money, so he might be able to squeak through, but it's going to be tight. And I think, I think um, here, you know, I think that the crowd – of the Democrats got a little more crowded um, by the end of the day, but I think it's a lot less um, crowded as of a lane as, you know, the Republicans have made for themselves. So I think that he's still got a, a better shot than I think if, you know, if you got to be ranking him against Nick Baggage, I think he's got a better shot than Nick Baggage does. Yeah. Um, uh, Breck Craig, not familiar with Anchorage nonpartisan um, lady, Donna Duchess Anchorage nonpartisan. I actually Googled, her and the first thing that came up was sort of this like anti-vaxxer child custody thing and so i i think probably that's not going to happen wrangle registered republican uh otto h Florschutz. the um, third the third yeah i don't know that person um no nope. okay anchorage nonpartisan laurel foster no nope. okay thomas tom gibbons uh glenn allen registered republican I think that's no. no, that's one of those Republicans that's going to get lost in a crowd of much more well-known Republicans. Um, Karen Griffin Soldatna undeclared, uh, also known as Crazy the Alaskan on Twitter. Yeah, so she has a huge social media following. I'm not sure quite is that due to something or like. I think she's a she's kind of just a funny progressive sort of tweeter that you know, gets retweeted by the right people and follows back a lot. So, you know, I, I described her as K Penn's favorite progressive stoner. Nice. And it, she had a fun little um, announcement, but I liked her video. You know, you know she, yeah. she's the one who described this as a hundred dollar lottery ticket for free healthcare for life. And yeah, I think she's, she's got a, a maybe for me. Um, I think that she's going to get crowded out by Santa Claus. Who's kind of running the same lane. Right. Al Gross. 
nonpartisan Anchorage. I I kind of keep on forgetting that he's running. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, uh, maybe on just the fact that he just lost spectacularly to Dan Sullivan. He's got name recognition and a lot of money, so it's possible he could make something happen, but I don't know. I think there's a lot I think there's a lot of um burnt bridges a little bit. Well, yeah, and that was, you know, his campaign last time left a little bit of a crater. Um, you know, I think we saw a lot of discussion of that. You know, he went from pretty close in the polls to Sullivan to a big influx of money, and then he, like, lost a bunch of points in the polls and mm-hmm. ended up not being competitive at the end of the day. That's all to say, maybe. I think the thing is with him is he's the kind of candidate that would do really, really well if he gets to the top four and it's ranked choice. Like, I feel like he could. he's the kind of candidate that could mm-hmm. get a lot of twos and threes, but he's going to have a hard time getting the number ones to get out of the primary. Yeah. Uh, Halkrow, Andrew Halkrow, Anchorage nonpartisan, former Republican. Podcaster. He's already got a website. Yeah, so he's got a uh, soapbox to stand on, and he's got money, and he's. I put him as a maybe. Yeah, I kind of borderline yes. I mean, it depends on how big of a yes field you want to be, but he would yeah. probably be on right on the edge. Well, and and if we look again at the sort of nonpartisan undeclared, it, like assuming everyone stays in their lane, that actually gives him a huge leg up. If nonpartisan voters come out and vote for him as a nonpartisan candidate, then he's looking really strong because there aren't a lot yeah. of big names there. Registered libertarian from Anchorage, Ted Heinz. Nope. Okay. William D. Bill Hibbler the third nonpartisan Fairbanks. Nope. I'm relying on you on these Fairbanks ones because I don't know much. Yeah. Of them. Uh, John Wayne Howe, registered Alaska Independence Party from Fairbanks. The, I don't think so. The only thing that sticks out for me here is that the AIP only has one candidate in this race, and that consolidates their voting power quite a bit. Unless you can't, there is an AMP, A or AM Independence also. No. In is that something else? Completely different. Yeah. It is. What is the AM Independence? American Independence Party or something like oh, that. Oh, I thought it was just a typo. No, no, no. I think this. I think he's like. An, <laughs> I guess it wouldn't have typos on the Division of Elections website. How dare I even suggest that? It's. I think that guy is like one of the out-of-state candidates. The other one you're talking uh, about. Okay. So, but John Wayne Howe, like, I think that if he is able to get everyone in the AIP to come out and vote for him in the primary. He could actually surprise some you people. You can't tell me what to do. I'm an independent Alaskan. <laughs> yeah. I think that AIP is less about independence for individuals <laughs> and more about independence for our state from the union. <laughs> <laughs> they're All right, like, they're the ones that want us to secede. All right. Um, David Hughes, undeclared North Pole. Not familiar with no. David Hughes. Don Knight. Don. Nonpartisan Knight. Anchorage. Nope. Nope. Jeff B. Lowenthal. Is this the guy that runs the uh, – he's Anchorage nonpartisan – he has some history with politics, but also he does the gardening. Uh, yeah, so he was kind of, I always sort of joked off in tongue-in-cheek, I was like the gardener guy, because that's what I knew him as. But he was like an assistant attorney general, and was like a, is a very smart attorney that uh, sort of doesn't get mentioned, you know. Does, but he's got some actual, like, name recognition here. Well, And, it's, and he's one of, those, one of those rare candidates, like, the more you look at him, at least at this, sort of this stage... The better he looks, which is is interesting. And he claims to have opened the first uh, pizza by the slice joint in Alaska. So, which I don't know. I think it's a dubious claim, but yeah, I think he's conflating Alaska with Anchorage there. Ooh, (laughs) yeah. See, that's what we're talking about. Geography is going to matter. Houston uh, registered Republican Robert Bob Lyons. No. Nope. Okay. Anne M. McCabe, nonpartisan Soldatna. Mm, nope. Mikhail Melander, Fairbanks, uh, registered Republican. 
Never heard of him. Okay, Sherry M. Mettler, undeclared Anchorage. Never Mike Milligan, registered Democrat Kodiak. Nope. Richard R. Morris, Juno nonpartisan. I don't know. You're from Juno. I mean, that's the only Juno candidate. Um, no, and I don't think that is a person that's going to do very well. Uh, yeah. Um, Cut Bank, registered Libertarian. Uh, Ma- from Montana. J.R. Myers. Yeah, right. Good point. Cut Bank, Montana. Okay, I'm going to just say no on that, on principle there. Okay, Emil Nadi, Anchorage, registered Democrat. I think that's one of the really interesting candidates in this race is he, he ran against Don Young in, like, what, 1973? Um, mm-hmm. back when Don Young was first trying to take the seat and he like he's like has like a legend status like he he's he's associated with Anxa and has just done so much like he's in history books and it's kind of uh, amazing to see his name on this list i think that there's a chance that he could surprise some people and i don't know how active his campaign will be or or not mm-hmm. but he's one of the ones i think would be more of like an honorific of like you know tip of the hat let's do something nice for an old timer that kind of thing Hard to run, hard to run a campaign that way, though. To me, like that's a famous Alaskan that is like kind of a big deal and should have some deference. I mean, I think it's interesting. It's going to be interesting how people um, approach the race, right? How we think about what this seat means and and sort of the seriousness of it. I think that there's sort of two minds of it, right? Which is, you know, is this a kind of right off into the sunset four month? term or is it the start of the next 50 year plus term for our representation in washington dc and so i think that's kind of it's going to depend a lot on how people view it because i think there's kind of an argument for both of them right i know i wish there was kind of a agreement here to be you know whoever's going to win it isn't going to run again right i think that's kind of an interesting way of doing it but i think that you know, that's too valuable of a spot. I think that a lot of people are, have been, you know, looking to get into this race for a long time. And so I think there's like definitely like a, if, if you win this, then you're obviously got to step up to win the whole thing. Right. Yeah. So. And there's this, this discussion of seniority, which matters too, right? Like if we, whoever we elect here, if they won again in November, they would have seniority over all the other representatives who who win from other states in November by just a few months. So, you know, if that's valuable to us, and I don't know how valuable that is to us, then maybe we want the same person. Do you have a sense of the value of that, like, few months of seniority? Like, could that make a big difference down the road? I don't think so. Okay. I think there's a a little bit, though, of kind of being from Alaska. I think those sort of elements, I think, kind of matter, too. Mm -hmm. You know, but as we saw, right, by the end of Don Young's term, it's not like he had a major amount of power. Right. His seniority didn't do a lot for him. Yeah. I mean, he, he... was you know any whatever power he had was sort of in the so- ability to sort of work and, and sort of wrangle votes on certain issues which you know yeah was sort of a questionable but he you know, but he wasn't like a super powerful committee chair or whatever because no yeah. no so so maybe that argument goes out the window i mean after 50 years you're, you rack up an ethics complaints to be removed from everything mm-hmm. all right here's your guy robert ornelius uh, the, the AM Independent, the American Party. Independent Party. I don't know anything about them. I Doesn't th- come with a state. No, either. he smells like yeah. an out-of-stater. I don't like that. Yeah. So another. Speaking of smells like an out-of-stater, our next one on the list is registered Republican from Wasilla, Sarah Palin. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, hot off of uh, losing her New York Times case. This is going to be this. This was most surprising to me. I thought for sure she wouldn't be able to find her way to the division. I'm just of elections. proud of us that we were able to make it this far before we had to say her name. Yeah, because it's just to me it, it is it's sort of like I wrote my newsletter and column about the race, and you know my take on it is. Ah, oh, sigh, Sarah, Sarah Palin, you know, like, I think that there's sort of a, it's like your, you know, your estranged aunt showing up for your birthday party, you know, I like, like my aunt, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know no, but like, yeah, yeah, I get right, it. Yeah, yeah, like, there's, <sighs> well, so she was governor of Alaska and quit partway through and then just really kind of like left us in the lurch and went to like, I'm going to be a super famous national politician. And I'm going to trade on Alaska. And I don't think that people really like that here. Um, there was a poll done in Save Anchorage. Save Anchorage is the like super right-wing astroturfy Anchorage you know, municipal group. They were split on whether or not they were excited about Sarah Palin being this race, basically right down the middle. And so mm-hmm. I don't think that bodes well for her. I mean, she might get enough votes to make it out of the primary, but she's going to siphon votes off of people like Nick Begich. Like he's He's got to just be livid that she got into the race <laughs> right there, there's sort of two thoughts i have on it too which is a her name recognition helps you know you got to be honest about that like she's got name recognition mm-hmm. i think too i think that there's actually like a, a pretty like clear path if if she wants to work it which is i think you know if she plugs in with kind of the far right sort of machine we have in alaska that is sort of the save anchorage is it's sort of the Mike Dunleavy's, the Tucker and Babcocks, the you know the Valley, the Kenai crowd. I think that she kind of could be, you know, a standard bearer for that kind of Eastman Republicany McCabe kind of thing. And but I but, but she I, hasn't that, she hasn't really been a part of it, which is really weird because the they built that whole brand on her. Like she is right. the one that like springboarded the far right Republican party in Alaska and then vanished. And then now she's kind of coming back to them. It'll be, it'll be a very that, interesting yeah. re- remarriage if it happens. Well, that's, what's interesting about it is that a, she hasn't been involved in it. And, but B at the same time, I don't really see a candidate on this list that really stands out to me as embodying that kind of energy, right? That like, as you look at, we're going to get down to the, some of the other sort of kind of more mainstreamy Republican names in a minute, but um, a lot of those are the names that I would have never in a million years been put forward by the Republican Party. I think that would have been, you know, shoved aside for whatever kind of Dunleavy sort of sycophant there is out there. And so anyways, that's I, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think that, you know, I think that someone like Joe Miller, right, would have made a little bit more sense, I think, as far as like trying to capitalize on that sort of like conservative populist sort of conspiratorial sort of scary force that none of us really want to think spend too much time thinking about in alaska um so i don't know i mean i think it it's all to say like i don't know and i'm also like really not looking forward to the next two and a half months of like national media that will be fawning over palin and santa claus yeah yeah it'll i mean i think that she's too too mavericky to be part of a group like that like they're a little more organized now and she's always been this like wild card independent and 
I, you know, I think that largely this is an effort to re remain in prominence and to sop up some donations. And I don't, I mean, that's the thing too, yeah. right? Is that there's all these, you can, you know, you, the one thing we've learned over the last like six years is that these sort of things are great fundraising efforts, great opportunities to enrich yourself and, and, you know, get yourself back onto Fox news or one at America news or whatever. Sure. So, I wouldn't even be surprised if she dropped out. Well, and that's, well, the other thing though, is that there's a parent, some word has been going around that, that Trump had personally encouraged her to get in. So I don't know. That's, I, I don't mean, know. that's like squirrels talking to chickens. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Silvio Pellegrini, Fort Wainwright undeclared. Nope. No. Okay. Uh, Mary uh, Peltola, uh, Bethel registered Democrat. Now this is a name that kind of slipped by me on first reading, but I didn't realize this is um, Mary Kapsner, Mary Nelson. Um, she did a lot of different names, but she was in the legislature for something like 10 years. She's the person credited with popularizing uh, Cuspuck Friday and is a really well-liked rural Democrat and Alaska native woman. And I think she could, you know, if we're, I feel like the name change is going to be tough, but I feel like if she can get the word out, she would be the kind of candidate that would be awesome to have in the top four. Like I would, I, this is someone I'm considering voting for. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's good. I think too, you know, I think, um, you know, the other sort of big Alaska native woman in this race is a Republican. So I think having, you know, the progressive end of that side of that is, is going to be, I think a good sort of balance in there. Um, Anchorage registered Republican Josh Revac. I really, you know, I, I still feel this way that he's, I feel like he's kind of a, a, like wolf in sheep clo sheep's clothing. Like, I feel like he is sort of the like Eastman Kirka brand of legislator that was able to sort of like put on a tie and cover it up. And, and I don't, I don't really want to see him progress out of this, out of this race. Um, I would love for him to to be one of the the many that drown in the sea of people, but um, but I think on the other hand, you know, he, I think he does kind of run the like, I'm a straight white guy, military politician, vote for me, Alaska. Like that's kind of, like he he kind of could just sop up a bunch of votes that way. Yeah, but I mean, he was one of the co-chairs of Don Young's reelection campaign. You know, a job that very clearly was you know kind of helping set him him up for anything in the future i think for whatever he decided to do but yeah i think you know i think he's one of these many republicans who ends up looking more moderate just by comparison in the legislature which is to say he's still a republican right i think there's some kind of amnesia that we have that sort of the political sort of system as a whole has when you know but created by the sort of Dunleavy fracture, right? Which is, you know, it got so bad that some people were willing to say, hold up. But then you, when you, when you hold up and you, as you stop whatever Dunleavy's doing, they still love all the oil tax sort of policy. They love all of the, you know, paying off the oil credits. They love, you know, there's all that sort of thing that they still are totally, you know, is, was sort of the peaked battles from like a decade ago. Well, and he owes Dunleavy big time. I mean, his, the reason he's in the Senate is because he was appointed by Dunleavy. But only after they rejected Laddie Shaw. Yeah, well, that's true. Moving on, registered Republican Wasilla, Maxwell Sumner, um, I believe brother to Jesse Sumner, who's the other Republican that dropped out. Um, 
ran against uh, his brother, I guess, ran against Eastman. I don't know much about mm-hmm. these guys other than that. Uh, again, kind of the same sort of realm as Josh Revac in the sense of very conservative, you know, very pretty, very pretty to very conservative Republican who looks moderate uh, by comparison. And he was, you know, by his comparison is David Eastman. So, I, so that you know, it does. You don't have to be particularly, you know, left of that to be considered much more moderate. So, all right, Anchorage uh, registered Republican Tara Sweeney. This is someone you have some thoughts on. Yes. So this is, I mean, this is the, the, this is the name that kind of comes up most frequently when I talk to anybody who's sort of working behind the scenes on, on any of this stuff. Um, she's very well liked. Um, so kind of a long time in the state, um, in a lot of different capacities, sort of most well known for her time as in the Bureau of Indian Affairs in um, the Trump administration. And which kind of like, uh, she carries sort of the distinction of being able to navigate that while, you know, accomplishing what is like objectively some good stuff for the state, in my understanding, while also like not completely embarrassing herself in the, in the well, you know, by association in the Trump administration. Yeah. So I think that carries a lot of weight. Um, I think that she has got good support from, uh, you know, oil and gas development. I think unions like her enough i think that um the last native corporations especially are, are pretty friendly to her uh i think that she's sort of well liked sort of by the right kind of different factions that could you know when we talk about um the resources the money the organization i think you know in my mind i would put her pretty close top to of that list of having those things that you need to make a successful campaign. And it's also an important thing to also keep in mind, too, is that her husband, I believe, um, ran Lisa Murkowski's write-in campaign. Oh, wow. So they've got some in-house experience there uh, of being able to get this kind of stuff done. Yeah. So I think that, you know, and and I think, you know, several people have told me that basically, you know, and this is before, but this is before we also had 51 people in the race, 50 people in the race, is that, you know, it's her race if she wants it and she obviously wants it. And and she was one of the other co-chairs for Don Young's campaign. So she's got that in there. I think she was kind of the talk of if Don Young was ever going to choose a successor, which she obviously didn't, Mm -hmm. um, she would have been probably close to the top of that list. But again, I think a lot of that kind of flies out the window when you have 50 candidates and you, there's a really tight needle to thread here. Right on at all so i mean i think well this it, is it's a it's a yes is as much of a yes as you can say at this point i think yeah and i feel like that's where her behind the scenes strength might really come into play is like if she's able to pressure other republicans who are kind of in her lane into dropping out then she's got a much more clear path so you know if they can get their arms around josh revac or or even coghill or some of those folks and say you're going to step out and support us then then she's got a real cakewalk but it, yeah, I think I think Revac is probably the most difficult sort of impediment to that because I think he sort of occupies a pretty similar ish space. Yeah. As far as well, they were of like they were co chairs kind of together, right? Yeah, it's kind of a mainstream sort of industry friendly Republican. I think though, I think a lot of those sort of around the edges things we've talked about with Revac kind of come into to play there, which is to say that you know. He's got some kind of scary, you know, him being uh, paladin with David Eastman for that bizarre constitutional or bizarre swearing in of Representative um, Sharon Jackson was, you know, I think it's hard to ever look past that. His staffer is the one that punched Jeff. 
right yeah i mean he's he's got like i mean it feels like he's a, a thin veneer what has he done like what is he known for that you know in the legislature aside from like being appointed to the senate like i don't i mean he nearly got a, a open container violation because senator right. scott kawasaki had a beer in a car with him and he's a recovering alcoholic i mean i think he's got like a. I mean i do think that he's got a good personal story he's a veteran he's been working with different groups and stuff i think that's like mm. a thing but i you know i don't know as far as you know as far as his time in the legislature has been pretty muted right i think that well and he hasn't even been in the state long yeah, so I don't. I'm not. I'm not specifically all that thrilled about him either. But no. I think that he's got. You know, he's sort of in the. He's been kind of for for as long as you know the idea that Don Young's seat would ever be open. I think he's been kind of running for it. So I think there's like some of that kind yeah. of momentum. He just annoys me because he feels very like Dan Sullivan-y in, the, in in in. I'm going to move to Alaska and all of a sudden be a senator and tell these people what to think and do. The mention of Dan Sullivan's name is interesting, just because, you know, I think we look at these candidates and you know, I think I think of a lot about the the Murkowski versus Shabaka race, right? for Senate. And, you know, Murkowski, like, isn't, again, isn't, like, great on every single issue. She's still a Republican by, like, every single metric, right? But there's, like, at least the hope that sometimes she'll do ostensibly the right thing, right? And, um, and with Shabaka, you're gonna know, you know she's gonna be, like, a Ted, she'll be following, like, Ted Cruz's every step right like she'll be his scent trail yeah like she'll be like she's gonna be completely unexciting on it i think that's kind of what you'd get in a josh reback you get like another dan sullivan who once every four or six years will cast an unusual vote that will be clearly the right choice for alaska you know the infrastructure bill being one of them i think tara sweeney uh is somebody who could do sort of the right thing for Alaska on most counts. You know, I think it's going to be very, she'll be very, you know, resource development friendly, obviously, but I think to sort of legislative and budgetary issues concerned with Alaska, I think that she'll, you know, she'll put Alaska before whatever sort of, uh, was it McCarthy wants her to do. Well, and that's the, and that's the nice thing about Alaska native representation is that, you know, these are the people that <laughs> are most invested in the state and yeah. and its well-being and so i feel like there's a little bit of trust that i can i can lend there um yeah okay la jolla california undeclared uh david thistle nope <laughs> it's got a nice beat uh, nice beaches there yeah <laughs> let me tell you how to run alaska um ernest f thomas is a registered democrat from anchorage i'm not familiar with Mm-mm. okay uh richard clayton trotter eagle river registered republican not familiar bradley d welter registered republican anchorage not familiar jason g williams undeclared copper center unfamiliar joe woodward republican fairbanks not familiar adam wool registered democrat fairbanks i actually thought that he was april fools joking everyone when he said he's signing up and getting i'm signing up and then getting on an airplane and i was like oh that's a joke and he's gonna see how many people he got when he landed but apparently his his name is on this list which is surprising to me i i I kind of yeah yeah i honestly think like aside from the sarah palin name drop of it all I think that Adam was maybe the most surprising name in here because this is somebody who kind of for all intents and purposes has got a pretty safe legislative seat. Mm-hmm. I think he's re- you know, is well-liked enough there that he's been able to 
stave off several you know well-funded challengers in the last couple cycles he seems to like the job enough i think maybe not i don't know but um I think there's, he's one of those ones where the geographic breakdown of it might play to his advantage, right? He's the only, you know, other than, I guess you have, you know, Santa Claus, who is, you know, got the Bernie Sanders lane. But as far as, like, kind of a businessy sort of Democrat, um, from fair, the interior, he's the only one, I think. So mm-hmm. I think that's it gives him, like, a little a little bit of a lane there. Uh, I don't, again, it's, it's very tough. You know, this is 50 people. Um but yeah i think there's just something interesting to it i think i yeah i don't know we'll see how it goes yeah i mean as far as all the democrats go i mean i think everybody's other than you know i think emil nadi and mary peltola like i think and i don't know if there's kind of they all sort of in my mind occupy like the same kind of tier which is i think christopher constant's got to step up because he's been running and has that sort of thing but as far as my head goes, as far as like candidates, they're relatively on like the same realm, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. There's not, there's not, they're all pretty equal. And I think it's going to take a little bit of, uh, you know, it's going to take a lot of work to, 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 to distinguish themselves in that field. Mm-hmm. Um, registered Republican Wasilla, Stephen Wright, and we're at the end of the list. And that is not someone I'm familiar with. Calculating, calculating. Okay, so this is kind of our list of, um, oops, let me get rid of that guy. Okay, so. At the end of our quick rundown here, uh, we end up with like 17 somewhat viable candidates. And, you know, I think you probably cut that in half even. Okay. So, so Republicans are still super heavy. Like that's that's going to hurt them because they're going to split up a bunch of votes there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of look at it almost as, you know, the way we've sort of been playing out most of the races, right, is you end up with two to three kind of republicans and then like one to two sort of progressives i think it's kind of the back of the very back of the envelope like math that i would think about with it so you know from that list of republicans you know so we have in the republican side we have nick begich sarah palin josh revac max sumner which i think we can toss him okay john coghill and tara sweeney so from that i would go tara sweeney sarah palin question mark i don't know i see that's where it gets really tricky so this is i I think this is where the other ones matter too is like i think this is actually you look at this list and i see now a better path for john coghill looking at it when you think about because they're all from you have have three anchorage four anchorage you know i think tara sweeney you know i think you can you can count more broad um support for her there than just anchorage but i think nick begich's john josh revac are very anchoragey kind of voters Sarah Palin's interesting because she's not from there. I think she has some, you know, she could get some attention from the Matsuburo and the Kenai, which, you know, it's important to remember, too, that, like, Dunleavy lost in Anchorage and Fairbanks, right, most areas. I think it was really the strength of Kenai and the Matsuburo that helped, you know, ensure he got into office. So if you kind of look at it from, like, a geographic breakdown, I would split, I would pare it down to Palin, Coghill, and Sweeney, I think. I don't. I'm not as confident with Coghill as you are. I, I would. Put, uh, I'd put him. Up. I. I always kind of have liked Coghill, yeah. despite the political differences. To me, he's the kind of guy who would die 
And I would say, well, I didn't agree with him on everything, but I really respect his legacy. Oh, that's so, so nice maybe, of you. Maybe, maybe write off my opinion on him. Uh, but I, you know, I, you're right though that he does have this like slice of interior that. Um, but but I think Tara Sweeney is going to get a ton of. Uh, I think you know, so when too. you talk about like uh, like rural Alaska Alaska Native votes, like she's going to just well and labor votes honestly too. Yeah. I think that I think Fairbanks. I could see Fairbanks going for her too. I think that. The, the kind of labor sort of centric vote is very strong there. Okay. So, and uh, so I think we both agree that Tara Sweeney's a good pick there and that we'll probably get like a much more far right. Like she's almost like a, a little more she's very centrist. centrist. Yeah. And so we'll probably get a much more far right. We'll probably get like, you know, Sarah, Sarah Palin. Palin or, yeah, I think that's the one, right? <laughs> I mean, I think, I because mean, I think what, that's what's that going to what's yeah. going to happen is like we're going to. We're not just talking about like Alaska, uh, the ability to like get out the word in Alaska. What's going to happen is national news organizations are going to run this like Sarah Palin versus Santa Claus headline everywhere, and people and that's going to filter back into the state. So it's going to create this weird feedback loop where the national news kind of reinforces our local narrative. And so you know, as much as we want to think that we're you know rugged, independently minded people, what people are going to see on the cover of the New York Times and on the gabbed about on Fox News is Sarah Palin's running against Santa Claus, and so. I think that like those two names are going to just we're going to get them a lot. Right. So you think Sarah, should we should we pencil in Santa Claus? Next? I, I really think so. I think Santa Claus has a really good chance of. Ne- so he kind of represents like the far left a little bit. Well, and far left is almost sort of a it's like a misnomer. It's almost like a, it's not even really far left. It's more like that kind of Bernie Sanders thing, which right. some people might term far left, but it's not really democratic necessarily it's more and it, populist, right and it fits yeah. into this undeclared nonpartisan chunk of alaska voters which is like you know that's like what 55 55 of our electorate is 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 people who are fed up of, with all the parties who are yeah. not part of the party yeah so i think that you know some of these nonpartisan undeclared candidates are going to do really well with those voters you know assuming they come out to, to vote and that's the thing that like in primary elections it's that's where the power of the party helps is that they can drive people to the polls like if you got a bunch of loosey-goosey undeclared nonpartisans, it's nice that they're getting the thing in the mail maybe they'll reply to it i think i think we get one progressive either democrat or progressive candidate and and santa claus could cut into that or we could have you know someone like mary paltola or christopher constant i think could come through those are kind of the two that i think you know as much as emil Nadi is i think respected in alaska i don't think he's probably going to win this or get out of this primary yeah so i mean i think that uh, to me i think it's like a bummer that you're looking at it and you have to start crossing off a lot of other you know good names right and that's that's i think what's going to be I don't really think that's a bummer at all i think that's like well, i think that's a feature not a bug i think that that's like that's what we want from our election system is we want good competitive races where where it's so we have so many options that we have to get rid of some of the good ones you know like yeah i mean I, like we're I, gonna get i guess I, <laughs> we're gonna get someone that really represents alaska out of this process yeah true i mean as somebody who feels very strongly about like reality television competitive shows where i always want everybody to stay and compete as long as possible maybe that's coloring this yeah. i just want i want uh you know tim gunn to, st- to step in and, and save somebody with his vote and no we gotta vote some people make, off the island here matt we yeah get... i just don't want to, i just want everybody to win okay so i'm gonna make my my top four call here all right i think i'm ready i think i'm gonna say tara sweeney santa claus 
uh, Sarah Palin and Mary Peltola. That's I my, think that's a good one. That's my top four right now. Yeah, I, I think I would go that way too. Um, I think I would like to give like an Andrew Halcrow a nod, but I think in a race like this, I think there's just too much at stake to really be wanting to stake your uh, vote behind somebody who's only going to be in it for four months. I think that's sort of, you know, I want, I want whoever wins this to be, you know, on the stepping stone to the other race, I think. Um, Hmm, Interesting. Yeah. I don't know, like as a voter, I don't know that I care about that as much. Um, Yeah, maybe not, but I think, or I I guess it it is, I think it is a stepping stone to the other race. And I think, that you, you know, I think it's a consideration people will be making, I think. Yeah, maybe Christopher Constant, just because there's that Anchorage Democrat progressive thing going on. See, I think you, you kind of look at the rest of it. You, I, I think, too, you try to, like, break down everything in your mind about who votes how. I think that there kind of isn't, like, that sort of sort of mainstream centrist Democrat, which I think is kind of needed here, which I right. think is either the Christopher Constant or the Adam Wool. Or even in kind of some in in the sort of modern political parlance too, that is sort of the Hal, Andrew Halcrow. Even though he is a you know former Republican, he's kind of about as close as you can get to it. You know, there's the the difference between uh, Adam Wool and Andrew Halcrow and Christopher Constant is smaller than in most other directions of these candidates. So yeah, and that's you know getting that's kind of getting back to what I was talking to earlier. Is I think there's kind of new ways of grouping these people now. Is you, you can sort of take. Uh, you know, you can t- sort of take Adam Wool and Christopher Constant and Andrew Halcrow and put them into a, a group and say one of those people is probably going to make it out. And then, um, you know, but also they're taking votes away from each other. Right. So yeah. you can kind of look at how thick some of these fields are and and see who's who's going to make it, and who's going to thin out and uh, kind of atrophy. And it's going to all change. It's going to, you know, like, yeah. we're just kind of looking at this, like, off the cuff here. And the we have, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a long couple of months uh, before this election happens. And there's going to be a lot of developments. I mean, we can find out on Monday all of these top four candidates yeah. are withdrawn. Yeah. Yeah. There's Well, by the time I edit this podcast, right, like, I usually don't get this out for a couple of days, right? So we'll be talking about these people and, you know, they won't even be in the race anymore. I mean, so, oh, I guess I didn't put my, my four down. But so I would also go... Tara Sweeney, Santa Claus. I think Christopher Constant, just because I think that there is sort of the momentum there. Mm-hmm. And then Cy, Sarah Palin. I it's th- it's I, funny because I, I think that it would be just like a fitting nail in the coffin of her political career to lose in a 50 candidate primary election and just vanish forever. But <laughs> but she actually does have a good chance of getting out of the primary Yes, I think, you know, I think as we're as we're thinking about this, you know, the question is, you know, not necessarily who wins, but how do you win? Right. I think it goes back down to, you know, kind of like where are the existing pools of voters and and do you can you appeal to them in two and a half months? And I think that those four candidates sort of all sort of have that ability and and so what you know now it will come down to you know can they organize can they hire up can they get you know their name out there effectively that's going to be the big question moving forward and it's, it'll be a lot of fun and that's why i, I kind of like about it again is that it is a fast campaign right we don't we don't have this isn't going to be this two-year slog 
at who's going to get it. It's like a snap campaign. You only got, you know, two months to do it. And I think just the, the way of being able to stand all that sort of stuff up is, is more of a challenge than the money itself. I think you don't have as much time to spend it. Right? Well, There's and, not as many opportunities to spend it. And who do you and, give it to? Right. You've got 50 candidates yeah. that money's going to get spread out real thin too. Well, and so like ad time, I'm sure like, I'm sure all the ad time is being bought up by, I'm sure you know, if, if I was constant or someone with money already, I would be going out there and trying to book as much ad time as I possibly can right. because it's going to go, it's going to vanish quickly. Mm-hmm. And so, and the other question too, you know, moving forward now too is, you know, who has, you know, independent expenditure support, right? You know, who is good enough or has enough backing to attract additional you know campaigns to back them right and i think tara sweeney's up there i think you don't see that until after the primary i think that if you're i think the smart money is is this is too chaotic i'm gonna wait till after the primary and then support one of those people yeah and i think too and honestly too that's the other thing is that you know so this is going to be a 50 person primary that will go to a special ranked choice election that will be on the april 16 primary regular primary ballot where you'll have a whole new slate of candidates you know so the so any number of these candidates could file for them but what that that's the other interesting element of it too right is that the filing deadline for the regular election is june 1 this special primary election will be mid-june the 11th i think the 11th and so there's just like i don't know it's gonna be fun i think uh yeah it'll be interesting it'll keep me busy I'm also very glad that I've scheduled a little vacation coming up soon rather than it was, I think the rest of the year is going to be super busy. So, yeah. So if we look at the, the primary race for us representative, the, the one that Don Young won, uh, in 2020, uh, it looks like there were 70,000 votes, uh, cast in that primary election. I think we'll have more here because this is a mail-in election, but, um, you know, what does that look like? Is that a hundred thousand and we've got now we've got a hundred thousand votes to split over 50 candidates which is you know if you split it equally that's that, that's two thousand votes per candidate so we're you know people who win these races are going to be by very slim margins you know probably hundreds of votes tens of votes uh difference and uh don, don young got fifty one thousand votes uh in his primary election in 2020 i you know i don't think anyone's going to get that many votes uh, i don't think anyone's going to match that here and my my thing is like i'm actually kind of curious now is like have there ever what's the the mechanics of having a race this big like what other kind of examples do we have and the one that comes to mind of course is the 2003 2003 uh california gubernatorial recall election where uh i think it was i'm looking i did a quick google i think it was 135 candidates that were on that ballot and that's the one that produced the gubernator arnold the gubernator, yes with 48.6 percent of the vote but you know that was even more that was even more wild as far as everybody that was in it, it really that what race is interesting because it really only came down to three ish candidates kind of and then mm-hmm. none of them were even close to arnold um cruz bustamante got 31 percent tom mcclintock a republican got 13 percent and then everybody else is basically below 1%. 
Well, and that's another interesting case of where really like pre-existing name recognition is such a big deal. And that's where, you know, that's where a candidate like Tara Sweeney might not do that well. Like she's got a huge amount of institutional support and, you know, you're, you know a lot about her, but I think that I, you know, if I wasn't doing this podcast with you and having conversations every week, I might not even know who she is. And I think that, you know, so that's where you've got your Sarah Palin's and your Santa Clauses might be your Arnold Schwarzenegger's. <laughs> so. Oh, all right. Well, gives us some extra fun stuff to chew on here. All right. Okay. Well, that was that was fun. We'll talk more. This is all going to go in a thousand different directions. Please don't take our word on any of this because we are just wildly speculating. And uh, hey, have a great week. Goodbye, Alaska. Have a great week. Bye. Hello to you out there. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to support our work, you can find Matt Buxton at MidnightSunAK.com. He puts out a daily newsletter about what's going on in Alaska politics and the legislature, and it's just really great writing. Uh, and if you want to support my work, you can find me at Patreon.com slash Alaska Robotics. And that supports my time editing this podcast and doing a lot of other things like comics and watercolor paintings and things like that. So I really do appreciate it. And a big thanks to Marion Call, whose music we excerpted uh, for our theme song of our show. Uh, that comes from Real Alaskan Girl. Uh, go check it out on Bandcamp.